You're listening to the best of Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Giants are 20 for 24. Goal to go situations. That's tied for fifth in the NFL. Colts by a field goal. Ball in the far hash. Third and goal from the sixth. Jones looking left. Scanning. Now he's going to take off and run. Angling to the right side. Fires up field into the end zone. That's caught a touchdown. And it's Richie James. Empty set now for Jones. Three receivers go to the right side. Two go left. Ball in the far hash. Jones by himself. Backing the pass. Fires quickly at the goal line. Hodgins makes the catch. And then he dives across the goal line for a touchdown. Indianapolis is one for five on third down opportunities. They threw a pick six on their last opportunity. They trail by 18 points. Foles out of the gun. Three receivers to the right side. That's the wide side of the field. Looking over the middle. Here comes the blitz. And it's Kayvon Thibodeau who came in and racked down Nick Foles from his blind side. From a quarterback perspective, you know, when they're trying to pull that thing in the way they are to protect the ball and fall down on it, you know when carts start coming out, I was happy at least, you know, he'd get up, move off, and he's moving around the lot room but obviously in a ton of pain play action rolling left is jones turning the corner he's at the five he's going to stretch it out and dives for the pylon no signal yet there it is a touchdown another rushing gallop for daniel jones his second today he's accounted for four touchdowns two rushing two passing and the giants are back up big now it's 37 to 10. new year same embarrassing Indianapolis Colts. Good Monday morning to you. Kevin Bowen, back. Jake Query, Mark Dykton. It is a foggy start to 2023 for those that are commuting into work on this Monday morning. Nice temperature outside, nearly 50 degrees. Um, and very similar to the Colts and their embarrassing performances continuing into the new year. Uh, it would not be a show without Jake Query uh, scrambling for his headset at 7.02 in the morning. It appears as though one of the headset jacks here went Nick Foles on me. Like, thought it was working, and then all of a sudden it was like, this just isn't going to go well. I don't know if Nick Foles in the six quarters of a- action this season, Jake, it ever looked like it was working with him. By the way, I have bad news to report. The little headset jack here had an expiration date of 2022. Mark, did we have headset issues late last week? It might be the headset. Uh, maybe a little bit, but nothing we'll, we'll too see. crazy. I saw a listener, Logan, did a pie chart of Jake Query's radio <laughs> that um, was pretty solid. skill sets. It almost looked like a draft evaluation <laughs> of you. It was pretty solid. I thought it was very well done. It was. Um, some creative work at the end of the year for Logan there, and maybe the headset, the the slice of the <laughs> pie need, for needs was, to increase. <laughs> it was a big part of A little bit than the 10%er. Uh, welcome back, Kev. On that. Thank you. Um, I would say it feels good to be back. I, I am a routine person, and I do obviously love uh, what I do for a living, so I am happy on that end to be back. But, man, I must say, once that temperature turned for us in Florida, back to normal Florida weather, it was great to be down there. Yeah, I, um, I, I'm one of those that the last week, truth be told, is kind of rough for me. I, because I, Last I, week I, of the year? Well, the last week that we just went through. Got because it. I love Christmas. I mean, I love the buildup for Christmas. I love all of it. But then literally, like, as soon as, like, the last gift is open and everybody's kind of sitting around and there's just paper everywhere, to me, it's like, okay, now I know what's in front of me, which is, like, six weeks of gray and cloudy. So, like, let's just get it started now and start plugging through it. So, we get up the next morning. We came in. We did the show. 
we do a week's worth of shows in the gray, and then you're like, wait a minute, it's still just January 2nd. And today is like uber gray. Yeah, and I guess today, and by the way, if you are out driving around, uh, be careful because it is really foggy. I don't know how many people are because it's New Year's Day observed, I think, for most businesses. but Not a um, ton of cars no, on very, my commute. Very light. But if you are with us this morning, we thank you for that on this Monday morning, January 2nd, and the Colts, as Kevin had talked about. Kevin, I feel like, and I'll lean, I guess, a little on your expertise here. I, for me personally, I feel like maybe even a while ago, but certainly at this point, the mentality has shifted for people from talking about like this roster or these schemes or this strategy to where do we go from here? Even though there's a game left, I feel like people have completely turned the page. Oh, without without question. I mean, it's all people just want to know where they at in the draft order. That's that's like the first thing. I've, I feel like that's the reaction from every game. Fifth right now, heading into the final week of the season. We'll get more into nothing like breaking down draft order scenarios, but that's where we're at with the Colts here in 2023. Uh, they can draft anywhere from third to sixth. That, those are the scenarios we'll talk about this week here heading into the season finale. Uh, but yeah, Jake, to your point, I mean, it's all about a week from today, right? A week from today. Is Chris Boward still here? Based off Jim Mercer's comments, you would say yes. Um, the Jeff Saturday situation will take us several weeks to play out, and Jim Mercer, I think, needs to fully understand this. Again, I, I don't see how you can bring back either of them, frankly, uh, because the embarrassing performances continue to happen. But he's very open to bringing back both of them, certainly Ballard. But even if you are going to bring back Jeff Saturday, you need to go through the entire interview process because, Jake, let's be honest, no one else wants Jeff Saturday as their head coach. You're not competing with anybody here. This is not Sean Payton, Jim Harbaugh, etc., where, oh boy, we need to make this you know great recruiting pitch for him and we need to wine and dine him and make sure that we show we have heavy interest in him. Uh, that's not necess- That is certainly not the case with Saturday. But, you know, watching yesterday... A couple things stood out. One, I think the issue is more personnel-based than anything else. And I think this continued spiral into an embarrassing season is a reflection on the roster Chris Bauer has built. That's that's my first thought. Two, shouldn't this football team be playing somewhat competent or a little bit better football under Jeff Saturday if you do want him as your permanent head coach? Like, they, they they were not good with Frank Reich. Jake, they're absolutely horrific with Jeff Saturday. Absolutely horrific. Yesterday, they lose by 28 points. The Giants entered yesterday having not won a single football game this season by more than eight points. They had played all one-score games. And then yesterday, the Colts trot out and lose by 28. Like, it is weekly embarrassment by this football team under Jeff Saturday. Kevin, I realize that we will get probably coming up in about 25 minutes or so each give a much longer version, if you will, of our thoughts or synopsis. But this is what I would be asking myself if I'm Jim Mercer. If I'm Jim Mercer, I'm watching a team yesterday where, 
you know, the the worst news for the Colts brass might be the fact that Jim Irsay took 14 fans on his own private plane to New York City to revel in the new year and then go to the game. For those fans, the game had to have been the biggest letdown. We get to go to New York for, for New Year's, and Jim Mercy's given us $2,000, and we're flying on his private plane on the way to get there, and we get to go to Times Square, and we get to stay in a hotel, and I mean, it's awesome. Oh my gosh, that's the coolest thing ever. What's the, what's the payment? Oh, no payment. He's paying for all of it. Really? Wow. That's amazing. I know, Well, I mean, we do have to go to the game. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's your three hours of penance. And, and so... What are those fans saying on the way home, on the flight? I mean, I assume Ursay's not on their flight, right? It's it's a different plane. But but he has to be thinking to himself, boy, these people seemed embarrassed to be wearing the horseshoe. Is he, is he thinking that, though? Okay, here's what he has to be thinking. What he has to be thinking, Kevin, is it's okay if you're Jim Ursay. You would think to yourself, I've brought in Jeff Saturday. I believe in the roster and the roster-making ability of Chris Ballard. It's fine if the two morning show guys on our flagship affiliate don't believe in that. It's fine if Bob Kravitz doesn't believe in that. It's fine if Stephen Holder thinks I swung and missed. It's fine if the 14 people that I put on a plane and paid a total of $28,000 in spending money plus hotels to New York City don't believe in the vision. But what's not fine is with each week, we see more and more evidence that the that there are 53 people who absolutely aren't buying it. And what I saw yesterday was a football team on both sides of the ball and we haven't been able to say that about the defense for a while. But what I saw yesterday on both sides of the ball were was a football team that is completely done over it, feels like they were sold a bill of goods, and doesn't believe a certain specific ounce of the BS that's being sold about them. They look totally checked out and done. Uh, tell me I'm wrong. I think it's less quitting and they're just bad, Jake. That, that's possible too. Yeah. Which is arguably scarier. Um, the other thing I thought watching that yesterday, and obviously a ton to get to today, we've got the Rose Bowl is today. I'm like, gosh, where, where am I at schedule wise? I'm very confused what here on this January it? 2nd. I feel like it's January 14th. Uh, Purdue's playing a bowl game. I have no idea who the hell Purdue is dressing in this bowl game. I think Devin Mockaby might be the only boilermaker I know. Purdue's going to play LSU today at one o'clock. They're also back in action basketball wise. They pick up their Big Ten slate. Tonight, just one of two remaining undefeateds in college basketball, and of course, we got we got to ch- touch on the Pacers as they continue to um, play great basketball, and and what a difference a year makes um, for how the interest is with the Pacers, and rightfully so. Sound of your bank account going up? Thank, well, I, you know, I thought about it on the flight home. I'm like, should you know, Max and I go up to first class? <laughs> should we? You know. <laughs> Nothing says, sure. "Hey, I'm going to bring a crying baby up to uh, up to first class." Everybody, everybody, good with that up here? You went to Florida, and the Pacers are on a roll. Did you consider staying just to get I, that I know. thirty? I was like, once I get to thirty, I'll fly back. But you know, maybe you know, we're, we're going to have to wait. I mean, who knows? Maybe by the end of January, they will be there. Uh, but one more thing on the Colts front that I wanted to note before we again get to some other stuff because tremendous college football semifinals as well on Saturday night. Jake, how much of the blame should go to the owner? 
The Colts are three three and one when Jim Mercy said Matt Ryan needs to be benched. Three three and one when he stepped in and demanded Matt Ryan to be benched. Two weeks later, he fires Frank Reich. You have won one of nine football games since Jim Mercy decided to meddle with the starting quarterback of your football team. By no means am I acting like if Matt Ryan had started the rest of the season, we'd be talking about the Colts on some grand, you know, 10-win season or whatever. But since Jim Mercy decided to interject himself in a way that you don't typically see many owners, particularly I think in the NFL, do, this football team has been the laughing stock of the league, has been arguably the worst football team in the NFL. How much of the blame should go right there? Yeah, um... We talked about this last week, Kevin. I, I had mentioned exactly that and the fact that not only that, Kevin, but look at the division. You might have just mentioned that. I, You've got two teams, Jacksonville and Tennessee. You know, quite frankly, in the AFC South, you have an AFC South championship game coming up on Sunday. By default. Saturday. or sa- Okay, this weekend, yeah. yeah By Saturday default. Night. Because it's the two teams that aren't a total train wreck. Congratulations. You're not Houston or Indianapolis. Go win yourself a division. You win the right to get blown out at home by Baltimore in the playoffs. Congratulations. So it's the first time in NFL history you will have a division winner that has had a five-game losing streak or longer during a season. <laughs> Nothing screams Literally, AFC South more than that, right? It, it, you know, they actually, you know, the hats they give, like the hats don't say AFC South champion this year. They just say not Indy or Houston. That's Seriously. what the hat says. Hey, we're not Indy or Houston, and we beat the other one. But the division was – life is about long-term vision sometimes. Why do people have a 401K? People have a 401K because they're like, you know what? I don't know what life's going to be like when I'm 75, but I know I'm probably not going to be working, so I better save money now. It's about long-term vision. The Colts this year had no long-term vision. None. Because what week were we in when Matt Ryan got yanked? They were 3-3-1, and right? Mm-hmm. 17-game schedule. That means they weren't even halfway there. They hadn't even made it to halftime. It wasn't even Halloween. And, so they, and they decided, you know, and boom, he makes that change. And I've said all along, he makes that change, and what happens? Was Matt Ryan playing really well? No, probably not. But you win one of those two games, you still have some footing. It it derailed their season. It threw everything into sheer and utter chaos. And that looks like a franchise. And look, I like a lot of people over there. I do. There are people that work in 8-5 to five for the Indianapolis Colts that wear a tie every day that, I, that have been very good people to me for the vast majority of my life that sure. I've known. But that is a franchise right now that looks like it's in total and utter complete disarray. And it starts at the top. Correct. And 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 I know that Jim Irsay as a person is a kind hearted, good, philanthropic, and fun guy. And I know that but but I feel like at times people are snowed by the Willy Wonka hat. Hey, we're getting, I mean and he does fun things, don't get me wrong. And he could do as he pleases. He's the owner of the franchise. However, I do personally believe, and maybe I'm in the minority here, and maybe it's not politically correct to say, but I do personally believe that when you are the owner of a football franchise 
that generates 40% of all revenue in the building that you play comes back into your pocketbook for every single event that takes place in a publicly subsidized stadium, you have some obligation to the people of Indianapolis to make sure that they can absolutely be certain that you are doing everything you can to provide for them the best football product possible. And there are times where I feel like his ownership excess is more important than his ownership success. And that's bothersome. And I think he's a great, I mean, I think he's a a, a tremendous human being. But I think that there are times, I think you could say this year that it's holding them back. He really, really, really wants to bring Chris Ballard back. He wants to bring Jeff Saturday back. My question continues to be the weekly embarrassment. And yesterday was embarrassing. I would argue yesterday was one of the most embarrassing moments of the season. In that, again, you have a Giants team that hadn't won a single game by more than eight all year. You lose by 28 to them. Um, Does that change anything? We'll have Bob Kravitz on at 9 o'clock to talk more about that. Bob, obviously very, very plugged into things. Uh, But that would be my one question. Again, publicly, he continues to say these things. But what happens when you continue to see the season, and I said this probably a month ago, go from the most disappointing in his ownership era to now the most embarrassing and the lowest point in his um, ownership. Um, I don't know about you guys, but the Saturday night semifinals, I, like think about watching the Final Four, and you get those two games. You know, they start at 6, they start at 8.30. Both games never live up to any sort of hype. Like one of them's always a dud, right? I, mean, I think back to like Houston and Baylor a couple years ago. Baylor just smokes. I think it was here actually. Baylor just smokes Houston in one semifinal. The other one is Jalen Suggs hitting the game winner for Gonzaga in UCLA Saturday night. Both of those games lived up to it, and now we have, I guess that's what dogs and frogs for the national title a week from tonight. I like that dogs and frogs. Oh, speaking of which, hold on. Is the headset missing again? No, no, hang on. I'm not going to wear it necessarily today, but I said that Ohio State would win the national championship, right? Yeah, you've been standing on that hill. You were were bullish on them winning every game by like 30. And I'll admit, I mean, injuries are a part of the game, but let's be real. If their roster was even like 90% healthy offensively, they're playing against TCU. But I don't know the fight song. I've had this since my sophomore year in high school. That's an old school Georgia Bulldogs hat. That is an old school Georgia Bulldogs hat, baby. Did you rock that last year when they were here? I think I did. I have a Georgia t-shirt somewhere too, and I couldn't find it. I think Um, actually that was their logo when Stenson Bennett was a true freshman there. (laughs) But I wanted to wear it because uh, even though I said Ohio State would win it all, even though I had a tweet on January 1st of 2022 that said Ohio State will win the national title next year, book it. And I was ready to fire that bad boy off and show everybody my... Of my clairvoyance, but uh, I do not like Ohio State. I don't like their fans. I mean, they're finest people. As fans are obnoxious as hell. So thank you, Georgia, for sparing us all. Great game. It also caused probably forty percent of the country to not see the ball drop on New Year's Eve. How about that? Literally, I I changed over at eleven fifty nine and forty seconds. They were setting up for the field goal, and I I'm like, well, I, so admittedly, I woke Shannon up. I'm like, Shannon, wake up, huh? It's midnight. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, someone synced up. The ball was literally dropping as the kick, I think, I guess, missed in South Carolina. That's literally correct, right? Yeah. And and you know my line, Kevin. You know why the game had to end right then. Oh, God. 
Talk about things I didn't miss when I was in Florida. It was the <laughs> it was the Chick Fil A Bowl, and that was Sunday. They had to close the doors on the game, right? But literally, it ended right at midnight. Literally, I, I flipped over and saw Georgia celebrating. I'm like, oh my gosh, he missed it. I thought about you, Mark, when I was down there for I those know. three days. You know, <laughs> I you, felt, you missed the candy conversation that went down a rabbit hole. It, let me tell you something, Mark. Now, now like you Halloween me, related, Mark. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'll bet you somebody has made mention it to you since then, right? Uh, the first day, yeah. It's been a little quiet since we flipped oh, the calendar. Scott Agnes was at the Pacer game like Saturday, and somebody came up and gave him a zero bar. They're like, here you go, man. You said you never had one. I'm telling you. Kevin, have you had a zero bar? Uh, was C.J. Stroud <laughs> too good to get to the Colts at five? Boy. C.J. Stroud answered some questions Saturday night that when we had Dane Brugler on a few weeks back, and we talked to him... And basically, I think a knock on Stroud was things are almost too perfect for him at Ohio State. Too good a skill around him. Too good of offensive line. He's not a creator. He made some plays on Saturday night that he was carrying Ohio State on his back. Here's to build that lead to, you know, again, pull off what would have been a big-time upset. I will be fascinated to see how these NFL teams rank Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and I guess probably not necessarily at the level of those two, but Will Levis from Kentucky. Here's the thing. Will Levis feels like Josh Allen in the fact that like when Josh Allen came out, people knew that his size and, and, and strength as a quarterback might have been the best in his class, but he didn't have necessarily the, the resume of wins and efficiency in college. Yeah, the stats weren't great. But right now, Houston, Chicago, Seattle, Arizona. Those are the four in front of you. How many of those would you say are definitively taking a quarterback? Yeah, Houston for sure. I would assume Seattle Okay, and Arizona is, to me, a coin flip. I know a lot of people think it'll be Kyler Murray, but if they fire Cliff Kingsbury, I don't think that's a guarantee. And it's also a coin flip whether or not Chicago stays at number two, right? I mean, they, Chicago ain't taking a quarterback. We know that. But the beauty of it is, Jake, you can trade up with them. Yeah. I mean, you can go from five to two. It's not like a team necessarily has to jump you from nine to two. Um, so that is the draft order heading into the final week of the season. Again, we'll go over some s- scenarios. The Colts can be anywhere from three to six. If they win, again, the lowest they can fall is six. Though, for anyone that is cheering for a W over the Texans this and, Sunday. And the other uh, thing is if they fall, fall to spot. six... Who would they? Who would go past them? Would it be? I think if the Rams, which lose, goes to Detroit, that right? Uh huh. And I don't know that Detroit's taking a quarterback, right? You know, What's Detroit and Seattle. I think they might. Okay. Yeah, I think Detroit and Seattle kind of fall in this boat of. It's been a nice year for Jared Goff and Geno Smith, but you're in the top five for a reason. And you probably realize, well, for Detroit, they're in the top five because they're getting the yeah, Rams pick. But that is a good point. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But yes. If they're smart, they're saying, you know what, these guys have played well, and we might be able to get two or three more years out of them, but then what do we have waiting, you know? Uh, Pacers-Raptors tonight, they have won, Indiana now has won five of six, and I remember back in like mid-December, uh, I think maybe even earlier in the month when the Pacers got back from that long western trip, the next kind of rung on the ladder for them schedule-wise was, boy, you're about to play some legit teams in the Eastern Conference. Well, they've won five of six. They've beat some very good teams within that stretch. They beat a really healthy Clippers team 
in that New Year's matinee over the weekend. That was Paul George, Kawhi Leonard playing in that game. Tyrese Halliburton was outstanding in the fourth quarter. The Pacers are now 20-17 and 17 on the year. They are favored by a couple of points tonight. So we'll chat about that. And again, Purdue, I, I keep on forgetting, Purdue's got a doubleheader today. Bowl game at 1, and then they host Rutgers at 7. Boiler up, baby. We should come back with a Purdue fight song at some point today. Purdue basketball does not play a ranked team. I think actually they play one ranked team until March. Hey, they get. Let me. They got a couple of them though already in the hopper, so good for them, right? They earned that right. I bring that up, Jake. To how undefeated? How long is this going to go? The Two only, left. The only ranked team they play between now and March. Indian Hoosiers. Purdue and New Mexico. The two left, right? Richard Patino leading the Lobos, That's is that right. correct? That is correct. Uh, bowl games today outside of the Citrus Bowl. Um, I do think it's a pretty cool story that with TCU in the national title game, that is a Mike Leach disciple in Sonny Dykes. Uh, you have Mississippi State uh, playing against the Fighting Illini. That is at noon. Again, Purdue and LSU, 1 o'clock. The Cotton Bowl. Any guesses to who's in the Cotton Bowl? The Cotton Bowl, I will go with. There's got to be a Southwest or a uh, an old Southwest Conference, but like a Big Twelve school in there, right? Boy, I don't. I don't think this team is that, but I don't know. Maybe they were. The Cotton Bowl. Uh, are they ranked teams? Yeah, uh, yeah. Sixteen versus ten in the ranked teams. Texas already played, right, in a bowl game? Yeah, uh huh. They played. Okay, Michael Penix, uh, sixteen right? versus ten. I will. I will already played, right? There's no way you're gonna guess who sixteen is. <laughs> uh, Tulane. Well, that's you looked obviously. I did not look. Thank you very much. Did you see it? To come right here. Anybody? Did, Tulane versus USC in I the mean, Cotton Bowl. Come on. And then the Rose Bowl today. That is a five o'clock kick. Of course, it will be Penn State against Utah. Is it still the granddaddy of them all? That's WrestleMania. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's what they call it. <laughs> the granddaddy of them all is the Rose Bowl. Mark, no. take your WrestleMania. Off the top rope. The granddaddy of them all is the Rose Bowl. At least it was. I don't know if it still is. I was going to say, it does feel like it's lost a little bit of luster. It, totally. Pen, who are they playing? Penn State and who? Penn State and Utah. That is a 5 o'clock kick. Tonight is actually a great, great Monday night football game to close things out. Buffalo and Cincinnati. Uh, that has been pushed to 8.30. ESPN trying to appease their family of networks. So a little bit of a later start for Monday night football here. Tonight, I'm Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, Mark Dykton, Bob Kravitz going to join us around 9 o'clock. We'll take your calls, 317-239-1070. Obviously, a ton to get to here on this Monday, January 2nd. If you are working, safe travels in, as we said. Visibility, a bit of an issue here. Temperature-wise, feels great for January 2nd. Uh, but again, a little bit foggy here in central Indiana. 22 minutes before the hour of 8 o'clock on this, the first installment of Kevin and Query of 2023. Happy New Year to all of you. Hope for a year of prosperity and good health for everybody here in 2023. Um, Kevin, this was stating the obvious, I realize. But I immediately noticed it and sent a tweet about it. That doesn't make me uh, original by any stretch because I think a lot of people, it was so obvious, I think a lot of people caught it. But much was made, rightly so, about the fact that, you know, Nick Foles gets hurt and you have the guy that hurt him, not intentionally, but that sacked him and hurt him doing snow angels next to Nick Foles. It literally looked like they were doing snow angels in unison. 
except for that Nick Foles was writhing in pain with a rib injury and rolling around. That looked bad. It did. And it looked worse that somebody on the other team is doing snow angels right next to him. Yeah, Kayvon Thibodeau, one of the and, higher draft picks last yeah, year. Yeah, like a top five pick, right? I think he was the fifth or sixth overall, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But mm-hmm. and And then you have the Colts offensive lineman just walking around. Okay. Later in the game, Daniel Jones rolls out. It was a late hit. He stepped out of bounds, and there was a late hit. And literally, like, a scuffle ensues because all of the Giants go running over to have their guys back. If you're a franchise that talks about, like, culture, believing in one another, doing it for the shoe, that's a bad look because... Either your offensive line where your general manager claimed that he was going to build from the inside out is like the most soft group of prima donnas on the planet, or they just don't care about each other. Now, I don't think that's actually true, but perception becomes reality. And the perception in seeing the comparison between the way two different franchises reacted to one of their teammates being hurt to me, spoke volumes. And I looked at it and said, that is a franchise that is absolutely done. And if the franchise is absolutely done in terms of their players on the roster, then that comes down to who was it that built it and told us that it was all about character, culture, and believing in one another. Because that ain't what I'm seeing. Uh, That play is why I was screaming for a month, bench Matt Ryan. Because that could have been seventeen million committed to next year if that were Matt Ryan. You're right. With Nick Foles getting hurt, um, and when you play on Sunday, uh, Sam Ellinger needs to be the starter, and you need to go sign some quarterback to be the backup, or just don't put Matt Ryan in the game. If assuming Nick Foles, of course, is done for the season. Speaking of at the game, Brian was there. Brian, uh, are you a New York native, or what had you in attendance? No, no, Kevin. Good morning, fellas. Happy New Year, man. Great. To Happy talk New to Year. You. Love the show. Love the show. No, I'm a Colts season ticket holder, man, since like 2008 when the schedule came out. My wife and I are like, hey, let's go to New York. We'll catch the Colts game. Hopefully we were in the hunt at the time, maybe thinking we're going to be in the playoff hunt. We think maybe the Giants will suck. It's obviously quite the opposite. But, no, we flew out on Thursday. Had a great, great stay in New York. Weather was beautiful. Everything was great except for the game was pathetic, (laughs) absolutely pathetic. Do Do you go to road games often? Uh, yeah, actually, we uh, went to Tennessee this year. We flew down to Dallas, went to that game. Um, I'm, I'm in for it, man. We were down in Jacksonville last you. year for the season-ending game. I mean, oh. we are all about the Colts. When apathy, you talk about apathy, man, we are not that yet, for sure. Uh, already paid up for next year's season tickets. All in, man. As uh, Jim Irsay says, chips all in, man. We are all in, and we are hating life, and it sucks going to games at home, you know, rooting for a draft pick. I mean, we were just uh, – you know, Giant fans are great. We got there at like 10 o'clock, hanging out with them, went to the stadium, just rooting really for a competitive loss is what I told all the Giants game, uh, Giants fans, and they honestly felt sorry for us. Uh, we're down 21-3, to three and we score a touchdown late, you know, or, you know, Ellinger gets us in the end zone finally, and I stand up and kind of clap, and people are just looking at me like, oh, man, I'm sorry. Your team's <laughs> yeah. terrible. Now, we had a great time. The, old, the old golf clap is never a good thing for a road fan uh, of the NFL. Brian, had you man, been to New York City and- before? No, I hadn't. Best city in the world, time. isn't it? It was great. Yeah. It was great. We stayed a couple blocks from Times Square and uh, went to Central Park on Friday. Did you go to? Did you go beautiful. to the New Year's Eve on the? I mean, did you go to the ball drop? 
we were down there three three different times every day, but we we left about four o'clock. Um, that area it was raining, it was nasty. Um, I mean, just raining. It wasn't bad. The temperature was good, but now we we uh, decided not to brave it. We watched it on TV. Actually, I was so happy my wife was ready to go back. I was like, okay, we'll watch the playoff games, which were fantastic. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we were just uh, like you, Jake. We're talking earlier. Uh, flipped it just in time to see the the worst field goal kick I've ever seen, other than Vanderjet's kick. Um, but uh, was rooting for Ohio State. But yeah, it was it was a good time, great time. Brian, happy New Year, man! Thanks for calling in. No, thank you. I appreciate it. That's um, Brian right there, and we might need to get him some therapy, Jake. If he was at the Jacksonville game last year to end it, and then had to witness that, I applaud the optimism, though. Boy, those are quite the ways to start respective years, twenty twenty two, twenty twenty three. Um, on that note that he brought up there on the Ohio State missed field goal, were you thinking this as it was going on? It seemed like after the big C.J. Stroud scramble, Ryan Day all of a sudden thought his kicker was Justin Tucker. The guy had never made a 50-yarder in his life. Yeah, I know. And all of a sudden it just went to, we're going to run it, we're going to let Georgia catch their breath, and Stroud, had, I think, had an incompletion after that. Boy, college kickers, man. They make me so nervous. I'd be trying to get to whatever, get to a 35-yard field goal. I mean, when I know Georgia we made the scored, one a little bit earlier, but that, that one wasn't the prettiest-looking thing Kevin, either. when Georgia scored, I, I mean, my first thought was – so I was texting with two different Ohio State fans during the course of the – and I thought it was over. When it was like – I can't remember what the score got to, but I'm like, it's over. Because they could – you just can't stop Ohio State offensively. But when Georgia came back and took the lead – with like a minute to go, and they're and two timeouts jumping I think, around. I'm State. like, have you not watched Ohio State in this game? Yeah, they had way they had plenty they're only of time. down a point. I mean, this is I, I don't get. I mean, I'm curious to see. I know it sounds crazy because they went to the national semifinal and went toe to toe with you know probably the best team in the land. But Ohio State fans, I think they're Ohio State fans that are ready to throw in the towel on Ryan Day from 50 for the win in a spot in the national championship game. It's on the way. No good. He hooked it. And Georgia is going to survive. feel bad for that kid, man. Gosh, boy. To say he hooked it was an understatement. That was... I actually... The people dread heading on, you know off the first team. means it was actually on target. I know. You know points. what? Did you see the holder? The, the, the place kicker had to lift up the holder. I wondered if the whole if he didn't get the laces out. I mean, I didn't. I didn't go back and hmm. watch. No, but, I, I didn't see that. But I wondered if it was a bad hold. Let's not have a Ray Finkel situation. <laughs> you know, C.J. Stroud. It, it is one game. Um, and boy, he answered. Electric. You know, the thing about Stroud that I think helps him out from Saturday night, Jake. He answered questions that Bryce Young can't answer. Bryce Young's issue, and and. I, I don't necessarily agree with this. And by the way, I think kudos to Bryce Young for playing in a meaningless bowl game and playing really, really well because it certainly um, is not the trend with high draft picks in college football. Jake, Bryce Young is short. NFL scouts, there are many out there that are ripping him for that. Or, no, 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 you don't draft a quarterback that's under six foot like that. He can't answer that. C.J. Stroud answered the question of, I can make some plays with my legs. I can do some things off script. When things do break down around me, and I'm playing an SEC-type defense, I can deliver. Again, I know it's one game, but I will be very interested to see if 
what you saw on Saturday night pushes C.J. Stroud to the top of maybe Houston's draft board and then pushes Bryce Young down. And by the way, I would be totally content with Bryce Young if I were a Colts fan. I think he's tremendous. Bryce Young is probably, and I don't say this because of the, the university, but he, he he's a little bit of Tua, right? And the fact that he's... He might be a little bit undersized, but his accuracy is, is yeah. I very think he's a little point. bit more dynamic than two. I think two a little bit more pocket, you know, passer. I, I think of Bryce Young as a guy that can create, and, and he obviously needs to, given his lack of height. That early spread, did you guys see that early spread? Georgia TCU thirteen and a half, the biggest for a national championship game in twenty five years. Nebraska, Did, Tennessee. Nothing like says. Nothing says. Wow, we really got to go back in time to remember when Nebraska was in the national championship game. To look at the last time you had a spread. By the way, is Miami? Don't laugh, Kevin. You ready for this question that you're going to laugh at, and probably Region Brian is going to say I didn't listen or watch something. Are the Miami Dolphins another of the teams? That are going to be, and I realize they're not drafting where the Colts are, but you know, in terms of teams that could move up into the two spot, for example, or vault past where Indianapolis is for a quarterback, is Miami going to be in the quarterback market? Yeah, I, I don't think you're there with them. I mean, obviously, to his health. That's what I mean. It, it needs some massive examination. Obviously, right. correct me if I'm wrong. Does Miami even have their first round pick? Did they trade that for Bradley they, Chubb? No, they sacrificed. They forfeited one. Right. They lost. I can't remember what the violation was, but they forfeited a pick. Oh, was that with Stephen Ross and the tampering stuff? And, yeah. Um, so they would have to trade up. That's what I'm saying, though. Is it, I mean, I'm only saying it to, to segue right. into the conversation of does the concussion issue with Tua Yeah, it's going to deserve a lot of examination. For, correct. So right now, heading into the final week of the season, with Miami's loss yesterday, you know who now controls their win and we get in? In the AFC? So the AFC and the NFC, the seventh spot is still up for grabs. Okay. And the NFC is Green Bay. They beat Detroit, they're in. Right, correct. And the AFC... Now, does, is Detroit out? No, Detroit is still yeah, in. Okay, yeah. They would need some help. I think they would need to Seattle to lose, if I'm not mistaken. In the AFC, it's the frickin' New England Patriots. <laughs> we almost started the year with a vo- with a FCC violation yeah. there. And I, and I say that, guys, more based off of... Does anyone want to watch the... Boring Patriots in the playoffs? No. Their defense is really good. Their offense stinks. They're so boring. Yeah. But that's where it's at. New England. Uh, do you think Harbaugh's loss means anything for his NFL? Thoughts? I I was under the impression, Jake, you would want Michigan to win it all if you want Jim Harbaugh to come to the NFL. I, I think it simply means that um, you can talk to him earlier than you would have thought. Do you think he would be more inclined to listen to the NFL, or would a national title have made him more inclined to listen to the NFL in that he checked the box for his alma mater? I think the national title would have certainly probably made it a smoother exit, but I still think that if the money is right, I mean, look, if, if Jim Irsay's willing to pay Jim Harbaugh 10 to $12 million a year, I don't know that that's the number, but I'm guessing because he paid Frank Reich 8 then... Uh, would you not look? I mean, what's he what's he getting at Michigan? I think we looked it up once, and he's yeah. I was, thought it was like seven and a half. Yeah. Something like so that. I mean, you know, the reality is, if Jim Harbaugh wants back into the NFL, there's not going to be a situation probably better for him than one that is, 
you know, a three-hour drive for, or a four-hour drive from where he's currently living and has roots and at the same time a place where he's familiar and has played and has been very involved. You know, he's an IndyCar owner, so he's got, he's he's tied in, you know, he's tied in with the city. He's got he's got a lot of people here. Again, Bob Kravitz can join us at nine. Uh, Bob's latest, he was pretty adamant that he thinks Denver is a better job than Indy. I, I don't know if I agree with that. If Russell Wilson's broken, aren't you screwed there? Uh, yeah, I mean, now from a and again, Denver does not have their pick. Denver from an sends organizational their pick. standpoint, fan base, etc. Maybe, but I think it's a lot more than that. They're not in good cap situation, and Denver's pick goes to Seattle. So they don't have that top five pick, even if you wanted to walk in there and say, hey, I'm going to blow this up, and Russell Wilson is not. Boy, the Russell Wilson thing is just completely blown up on them. And remember that, I mean, that was one name that people, you know, people around here were like, oh, man, we got to get Russell Wilson. I mean. You know, another team that just, it's wild to think in the NFC, we very well after a season of saying these guys are done, these guys are done, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers are probably going to be in the playoffs. <laughs> I know. And you I know, know the other team in the AFC that you could say that about? And they still need some help. But for those that didn't stay up and watch the end last night, there's Mike Tomlin Steelers. Yeah. Still in it. Mike Tomlin, who has never – now, this he still can now because of the extra week. This is such never a been, wild stat. Never been under 500, right? 16 years? Yeah. Is that what it is? And they may go nine and eight, man. And Carson Wentz is Carson Wentz. How about Ron Rivera not knowing that they could be eliminated from the playoffs after the game, and then they were eliminated like three hours later? <laughs> well, I don't get is why they went to him in the first place when Heineke basically saved yeah, their season. I'm I don't you, understand Mark. that at all. I'm with you, Mark. Now, I know it was last Thursday night, but boy, I'm enjoying watching T.Y. Hilton play football. T.Y. Hilton has played 34 snaps for the Dallas Cowboys. That's about a half a game. He's got five catches for 102 yards and a half a game of work. You know, when it comes to the wideouts, Mark, yeah, it's a new year, but some things never change. And the fact that if you're driving in... Be careful on the audio audio button here. And you're driving into work, Mm -hmm. and you want to hear what Kevin Bowen has to say about the Colts. And you think to yourself, I heard it in 21, Mm-mm. I heard it in 22, nope. here we are, first day of 23, and what Mm-mm. happens? No. Nope. And what happens? No. no, I don't think I should play it. <laughs> we can't should play we that. retire it? Be careful on the audio button there. No, I'm trying to be careful. <laughs> okay. Don't want to offend anybody. It definitely made me think. No. And I mean, Bowen, every time I freaking read or listen to Bowen, it's like a constant freaking barrage of, of, of uh, wideouts. <laughs> One thing we get into later in the week, Ballard-related, Jake, I think one of the biggest misnomers or really Ballard excuses that couldn't be further from the truth is the Colts have not been in a position to draft the franchise quarterback in the last three or four years. I think that's such a lazy excuse Totally agree. in the carrying of the Ballard camp. And again, we can get into that a little bit later. All right, 8 o'clock hour coming up on Kevin and Quarry. I feel like the fog has grown. It's not, oh, gotten it's, be- it's not gotten better, that's for sure. It's yeah, gotten yeah, it's worse. Man. Like the Salesforce Tower, I, I don't even know if I can see it. Now, when do the lights come down? Uh, Mid-February, probably. <laughs> Is that I the groundhog? the same thing. I think it'll be up after. It, it always, I feel like it always just depends on the weather, but yeah, I 
push past the ground. Is it supposed to be like 60 today? Oh, it's supposed to be. We're not going below 45 for like the next 10 days. Go as far into January 60 as you can. today, 64. Oh, it gets colder this week. Yeah, I was going to say, I saw, I felt like we're high 40s. We're, we're, yeah, we're in, the, we're in the 30s, Thursday, Friday, yeah. Saturday, it looks like. That's how it sounded yesterday. Matt Taylor and the Colts Radio Network as the Colts lose to the Giants in New York. Mercifully, one week left in the 2022 season. Joining us now in the 9 o'clock hour to talk about it on the Payless Stickers Hotline. He is, of course, with The Athletic. He is Bob Kravitz. And Bob... We've seen some bad football over the years with the Colts, but was that as are we starting to see as lifeless a team or just as uninspired a team as we have seen at any point over your tenure in Indianapolis? Yes, and the short answer, excuse me, is yes. Um, I remember 2011. Excuse my voice. Um, 2011. At least they fought. You know, they fought until the end. Uh, Dan Orlovsky came on, played really well the last couple of games. They almost beat uh, Jacksonville and screwed themselves out of Andrew Luck in the season finale. So I have not seen a Colts team absolutely go in the tank the way this team has in, in the 22 years that I've been here. Again, it's Bob Kravitz from The Athletic. He's with us here on the Payless Lickers Hotline. Bob, how much blame... Starts with Jim Ursay. Colts were three, three, and one this season. Ursay says Matt Ryan needs to be benched. Week later, Marcus Brady fired. Two weeks later, Frank Reich fired. Jeff Saturday hired. They're one and eight since Jim Ursay demanded that Matt Ryan be benched. How much blame starts there? Good ninety percent. You know, I mean he he undermined his coach. You know, he undermined him and then fired him. Um, he's undermined, undermined and really emasculated his general manager, Chris Ballard, in so many ways. Um, you know, Jim has, over the years, studiously avoided becoming his father, you know, without the alcohol problem. Um, and uh, I really think that he's taken a real strange step um, toward being his dad. Uh, this past year, getting so deeply involved um, in, in, in the day to day, you know, Jim has always been somebody who's a good sounding board. He was involved without be, being meddlesome. This year, he's taken that next step to being Jerry Jones, and uh, so I blame a lot of this on on Jim Irsay. I think he's really handled this about as poorly as you can possibly handle us. And, handle football season. And Bob, in terms of those missteps, do you believe that it backfired because A, they were simply schematically or tactfully the wrong thing to do in terms of like the players that were being put in, or B, because it just disheartened the roster and thus guys completely mailed it in? Yeah, I think a little bit of both. I think, you know, I was in the locker room in the days after uh, the Matt Ryan benching. Guys were just, you know, I, I think if they had gone to Nick Foles at that point, guys, that players maybe would have been on board or could have understood. But when you put Sam Ellinger in there, and no disrespect to Sam, but when you put Ellinger in there at 3 3 and 1, you're basically saying we're tanking. And, you know, I mentioned this in the column today. Um, if you didn't know Jim Irsay, you know, as well as we do, you would think that this was a purposeful tank um, and that he was screwing with the integrity of the league. I, I, I think I know Jim. 
I, I don't think he purposefully tanked. I think that was the result of a lot of really emotional and impetuous decisions that he made. Again, Bob's latest up on the athletic centers around where the Colts are in terms of the rest of the head coaching openings. Currently, just Denver and Carolina. Obviously, expect a few more coming up really a week from today. Uh, but how you know intriguing is this job to other candidates out there? Um, Bob, I asked this question to Jake a little bit earlier, and I'll throw it at you. You think if um, Jeff Saturday or Chris Ballard went to Jim Irsay and said, all right, if I'm back, the other guy's not back. Who would have Jim Irsay's ear more in that situation, Chris Ballard or Jeff Saturday? Boy, that's a good question because, you know, Chris Ballard, the only reason he's still here is because he's got he's owed about $30 million or whatever the number is. I don't know. But he's owed a lot of money over the next couple of years till 2026. Um, you know, uh, maybe Saturday at this point, but that's a great question. I don't have a really smart answer to, but clearly he does not trust Chris Ballard the way he once did. I mean, Chris at one point was a golden child and, you know, uh, look at his drafts. He, 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 you know, pretty consistently drafted well you can you can question whether he spent um whether he drafted guys in positions that help you win consistently uh you can do that but um you know clearly uh jim has lost faith in in ballard and that's why i i really don't understand if you bring a new coach in you want your coach and your gm to be aligned yeah. You know, as far as the the number of years they're going to be in and running the show. And, you know, since they're changing coaches, I'm not crazy about the idea of Chris Ballard remaining. But, you know, Ballard, you know, he's a family man. The, the paycheck is nice. So I don't know. I, I don't know that he's in any position to go to, to, go to Jim Irsay and say, hey, hands off, bucko. You know, kind of on that front, and you've obviously sat in on many Jeff Saturday press conferences here over the past few months, I find it interesting that every time you ask Saturday a question regarding the team, their performance, you know, the fact that they are seemingly playing worse football than they were earlier in the year, he almost immediately points out, well, you know, they hired me for a reason, and that's because the situation was awful that I walked into. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but he is very quick to point out how terrible yeah. of a situation he walked into. And I sit there and think to myself, man, he is really aggressive with those comments. And I'm like, well, is that an indictment then on Chris Ballard? Well, yes. I mean, yeah, yeah. what he's saying is this team sucked. And they're going to continue to suck under me or Vince Lombardi. Um, I, I don't like those comments. I mean, he talks about, you know, I, I, I look at Rick, Rich Passaccia from last year with the Raiders. I mean, you had the whole Gruden thing come down. Then, for God's sake, Henry Ruggs killed somebody in a car on the Vegas Strip. And that team still managed to go 7-5 and five and make the playoffs. Um, you look at Steve Wilkes, the guy who uh, actually has experience, uh, like like Satya. But Wolf has head coaching experience, not much, but some. And he's got his team playing pretty damn well, uh, coming down a stretch. Uh, so, you know, I, in, in some ways, it's, 
it's a shot at himself. You know, I mean, it should be viewed as a shot at himself because, I mean, they should be a little better, right? I mean, he was brought in right. to, to be a leader of men uh, to uh, get these guys, you know, thinking straight. And it hasn't happened. Excuse me. It hasn't happened. So, Bob, when you look at, you know, look, there's there's a week left. There's a game left here, right? When you look at the Colts moving, yeah, that's right, moving into next year, you know, there have been times where you have seen a team that fell apart and there was a one player or a one area or a one person fix, whether it be the coach, the quarterback, whatever. How many areas are in need of fix for the Colts? Are they close and they no. just need retweaking? Or because yesterday they looked like flat out the worst team in the National Football League. Yeah, only looked that way for quite a while now. And look, I, I think they're they're in decent shape defensively, as poorly as they played in, in the back half of the season. I, I think you've got a defense that basically balled out earlier in the year and just said the hell with it. We can't score anyway. When you're scoring three points a game, you got no shot. So I think I think the situation, um, you know, was was such that. You know, they they basically mailed it in at the end here. But, yeah, look, you need a new quarterback. You need to fix that offensive line, which Jeff Saturday clearly was not able to do. You need uh, tight ends and wide receivers still. Um, yeah, I, it's a pretty sizable uh, rebuild. And, you know, you look at the defense, you know, they, yeah, they played well, but they're they're a little long in the tooth. In a lot of areas, a lot of guys who are either above thirty or closing in on thirty, uh, you know, like Buckner and guys like that. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a complete rebuild, and that's why I say this is the worst situation in football. Um, I realize then the Denver Broncos are stuck with Russell Wilson for another four years and paid a king's ransom for him. That said. You know, that that's assuming that Russell Wilson can't be fixed, okay? I think Russell Wilson can be fixed. I think the right coach can come in and make a difference in Denver uh, with Wilson because he's shown before that he can do it at a very high level. Colts don't have anybody, and they're going to have a rookie, maybe a bridge quarterback. It's going to take a couple of years before the Indianapolis Colts are any good anymore, uh, uh, once again. Again, he's Bob Kravitz from The Athletic. I do want to get to the Pacers here in just a second, Bob, but one more thing from me on the Colts front. Uh, You mentioned Jim Harbaugh. I guess it would have been a couple weeks ago in a story there. Um, You think there's a mutual interest at all, and are there any names you know, before this thing really gets started a week from today that you have your eye on from a head coaching standpoint? Well, to me, excuse me, you've got to make Jim Harbaugh say no. That, that's the first thing. Uh, you know, what Jim Harbaugh's interest level might be, I don't know. I, I don't have uh, his cell number. I haven't called him. I do not know. He has said publicly after his dalliance with uh, Minnesota that uh, he was that was a one-time only thing. I don't believe that. I think he wants back in the, in the National Football League. Um, so I think he... He would certainly listen. He's got the relationship here. But honestly, if you're Jim Harbaugh, why in the hell with 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 other 
teams looking for coaches. Why would you pick the Indianapolis Colts aside from maybe your relationship with Jim Irsay and the fact that, you know, you were in, in, India, in Indianapolis in the mid-'90s? I can't see him taking it uh, unless they throw more money than, 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 you know, the national, the gross national product of Peru at him. I just don't see it happening. Uh, Dan Quinn, I think Dan Quinn would be excellent. D'Amico Ryan, you know, people like that. I think, uh, you know, there there's some good candidates out there, but I just don't see the top candidates being interested in becoming a part of an organization that is really upside down right now. What do you think the gross national product of Peru is? It's got to be <laughs> decent, right? I don't know where the hell I came up with that. I really don't. I mean, I'm on my first cup of coffee. That's pretty impressive. That is pretty good. Um, yeah. Bob, I want to circle back. Bob Kravitz is our guest from The Athletic. He's on the Payless Sigurds Hotline. I I realize this horse is probably at this point a tub of glue because we've beaten it so much, but um, do you believe – you touched on something I, I really had not considered. We, we talk so much about coaches or quarterbacks that are kept because of a salary issue. Do you think that that is a key factor in why Chris Ballard would be retained, and may it be the only factor? Yes, it's 100% of it. This is a business decision. Remember many years ago, you know, when they got rid of Grigson, they kept Pagano on for one year. Why? Because Jim didn't want to have to pay two guys all that salary to do nothing. And this is 100% a, a, a financial decision on the part of Jim Irsay. You know, I, I keep thinking, why doesn't Ballard just quit? Well, you know. Those paychecks are pretty cool. You know, those direct deposits are not insignificant. Uh, you know, he's a, got a big family. You know, I, I'm sure he doesn't want to move his kids out of, out of their schools. You know, I, I think he's probably, and I haven't talked to him about this specifically, but I think he's willing to put up with it um, for the time being and then get the hell out of Dodge the moment he can. But, Bob, you know, you have any idea how much Ballard makes? It's five. Well, five, six, maybe. Okay, Uh, Bob. My thing is this, and listen, people have the you know they're they're free to do as they choose. I and I think Jim Mercey's eccentricities and interests aside from football, uh, I give him credit because he shares it with people. He lets people come out and see just really cool memorabilia. I mean, he's got some cool stuff that he shared, and you know, and that's and that's all cool. But you know, now he's got a social media team about all about his collection and to promote it. My point being, and you tell me if this is unfair, from a public standpoint, Jim Mercer doesn't owe, and I think he's a, a darn good guy. I do. He doesn't owe yeah. people anything. However, is it going to be harder to sell your fan base on the business decision of keeping an underperforming general manager being financial when you then spend the off season showing people the things that you spent millions of dollars on, yeah, probably, probably so. I, I can tell you that I get a lot of uh, a lot of email, not emails, but you know, comments at the bottom of stories with people saying, you know, uh, you as you just said, you you keep Ballard for business reasons, and then go out and uh, bid, you know, eight million dollars on Ringo Starr's drum set. Um, yeah, I think I think the perception. Um, I, I think it's a bad look, you know, in terms of optics. But 
yeah, I mean, the, it, it, it's got to be purely a business decision. And I think it's, you look at the Giants, who are what, 4-13 and 13 last year, made the playoffs this year. They completely cleaned house. They brought in a new GM. They brought in a new coach. And now look at where they are with roughly the same people, including the quarterback. So I think that's the way to do it. You know, when you've got basically a lame duck GM uh, with with a new coach, I think you're just asking for trouble. Bob, last one for me, and appreciate your effort this morning. I know you're still not feeling yeah. back to 100%, so we really appreciate it. Um, no problem. You, your colleague, Sham Sharnia, I think it was last week, maybe now two weeks ago, um, had a story about Miles Turner and the Pacers beginning some extension discussions. Beginning right. and, you know, obviously putting pen to paper um, is still a far, far, you know, jump to make. But that is news. Um, we're a little bit over a month away from the NBA trade deadline. Um, has your opinion changed on Miles Turner being here long term? Yes, absolutely. Uh, it, it was my impression early on in the season that he was a goner because. Uh, he, he had not expressed um, a desire to, to sign here long term. And I think that he is just, you know, and, and I'll let Miles speak for himself when the time comes, but my sense of it anyway is that uh, he is truly enjoying being a part of this program right now, this organization. A lot of really good things are happening. I'll tell you what. The chance to play with Tyrese Halliburton is, is, is you, can't, you can't overstate how important that is. I mean, guys love playing with this guy. I'll have a story about him uh, next, next week, I guess. But, you know, uh, I remember Kevin Pritchard saying this guy is going to be kind of the Pied Piper. And I thought, yeah, right, whatever. And, and you know what? He has been because I think Miles loves playing with him. And I think Miles enjoys the, the atmosphere that's starting to come back. Uh, they had a sellout the other night uh, at, at uh, Gamebridge. Yeah, I just think, you know, uh, it's a fun atmosphere down there now. And, and I, I, I think he loves, you know, being the only five-man in the starting lineup and not having to share space with DeMontis Sabonis. So, uh, yeah, I think things have changed dramatically. Uh, you know, uh, Miles may say, "Oh, I never, I never felt like I wasn't coming back." You know, I, I, I think that's BS. But whatever, I'll let him speak for himself um, as I speak for him here. Um, so yeah, I think things have changed a lot, and I think Tyrese Halliburton's had a hell of a lot to do with it. Bob, get some uh, whiskey and honey in that coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Can we, can we can we cut the coffee? <laughs> That's right. There you go. Thanks, Bob. Happy New Year, right. man. Thanks, guys. Same to you, boy.